Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of SMY.TV's Meet the Mets cast. Rob Render with Matthew Cerrone and Steve Hofstetter. Before we get started this week, as always, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the SMY.TV Mets podcast feed. You can find our channel by searching SNY Mets in the iPhone podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Coming up on uh, this week's episode, we're going to talk a lot about should the Mets be sellers? Should they keep their players? And despite their current record, might they wind up in contention later on in the season to the point where it wouldn't make any sense to sell off what they have anyway? Uh, also, we're going to talk a lot about Zach Wheeler, who has been tremendous, in my opinion. We'll get to that as uh, the show winds down. But first, the big news after we recorded last week's episode, it kind of broke, I think, a day later or so, was Mr. Met. Yeah, the lovable Mr. Met gets caught walking off the field and flipping the bird to somebody in the crowd who was heckling him. It became national news. Uh, sort of a funny but not so funny story, especially if you're in the Mets organization, because obviously he represents the Mets and, and kids all over the place, especially ones that root for the Mets, love Mr. Met. So I, I got to ask you guys, and Steve, I'll start with you. Does Mr. Met flipping the bird actually make him cooler to some people because you see that he's sort of almost human, quote unquote, or uh, is this the worst thing that could have happened in the Mets organization? Uh, I, I think actually the focus of the story should not at all be Mr. Met. I think the focus of the story should be on the monsters that were talking to him before that happened, because there is no way, no way that he did that without a ton of provocation. And especially because of the fact that the, the video we got happens to start as he does it. Like, it doesn't include anything that leads up to it. It just ha oh, yeah, this is just, this is just what happened in a vacuum, right, guys? Right? We weren't horrific monsters that said horrible, horrible things. And look, is what he did stupid? Absolutely. But, my God, something must have come before it. Oh, of course. Matt, uh, what are your thoughts? Mr. Matt Cooler, does this uh, anger you? What are the emotions? <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess it does sort of make him a little bit more cool. I, I, I never really thought about it that way. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with Steve, number one, uh, the, the people that sort of provoked it. But then also, I, I seriously feel like the only people that really care about this are either people who work for the Mets or people who don't like the Mets and just see this as an opportunity to, you know, make fun and poke fun and et cetera, et cetera. Cause like any Mets fan I've talked to does not seem to care. Right. Agreed. Uh, I can tell you this much from personal experience, although I've never worked for the Mets directly and I've never been in Mr. Met. I did work in the minor leagues for a little while. And when you're in the minor leagues, they will throw anybody in the mascot costume. So it doesn't matter if you're the broadcaster like I was and they're desperate or the assistant general manager of a minor league team. If they need somebody and you're the one guy that's on hand that can do it and they have an event planned with your mascot, they would throw you in the mascot costume. So I have worn the mascot costumes before and it's awful, awful experience. Uh, but I don't know if the Mets have a similar protocol and I don't know if the kid that was inside the mascot costume that day is a regular, but... If he's not, and he's not a mascot professional, then it's probably hard for that kid to hear people yelling and screaming and cursing at him, like you're talking about those people doing, and not 
forget almost to a degree that you're wearing the costume and that you're representing the organization and that, you know, people don't care who you are underneath. They just see Mr. Med. They don't see you. So I, I don't know. Again, I don't know the exact circumstance here. I don't blame the kid, especially if he's just some guy who works in marketing that they happen to put in the costume that day. And he's just not really trained to ignore that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I take the other tack that I think if he is somebody who's been in that costume before, he, ne he needs to realize that no matter what people say in the crowd, nah. you just keep walking away. You know, just, just I mean, ignore it. Yeah, I mean, well, look, he probably does 99.9% .9 of the time. But to Steve's point, <laughs> you know, every once, in a while, every once in a while something probably happens. But don't let's not forget, too, like the only reason we know about this is because it was filmed. <laughs> like, who knows? Right what transpires during the course of any, you know, what happened in 1996, you know, like when, who, you, you know what I mean? Like it's only because it was captured. But that, the other thing is it always cracks me up. Every time I listen to this conversation, it makes me laugh. Cause like Mr. Met is just, he's a mascot, right? Like it's the person inside the suit that flipped right. off the, the fans. <laughs> like this is like right. getting mad at the, this is like impugning all of, you know, of, uh, Santa Claus because the guy at the mall that played Santa Claus that day, like did something like suddenly Wait. Santa Claus is back. Wait, oh, oh, I'm hold sorry, on a Steve. second. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Did I ruin something for you? Did do there? That's a, <laughs> that's a guy at a mall. Oh, oh, never mind. Never <laughs> mind. Go God. talk to your, go talk to your parents. This yeah, is exactly <laughs> this podcast has ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, what no, is, but what you, about you, you, Sorry, Matt, come on. What about all the five-year-olds listening to our podcast? Oh, I know, yeah, yeah because it's, yeah, really. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's That's just, our target demo. Yeah, he's just, it, so, like, Mr. Met is going to be fine. The guy that was wearing the suit, eh, I don't know. Well, it's see. definitely, look, it's definitely going to, gonna, uh, I guess, hang. It's not going to be forgotten anytime soon. And no. I actually, I actually kind of like it. I think there, I think there is a level of badassness. I mean, you've already got Mr. Met and, and Syndergaard trash talking back and forth, you know, about, you know, who's having sex with whose wife. So, you know, we may as well, <laughs> may as well throw this in. Didn't Syndergaard and, give the finger to Mr. Met earlier this year? Well, he did in a picture that he may or may right. not have been responsible for, for putting together. But yes, he did at some point. Uh, yeah. I, the fact that 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 in our society, sticking up your middle finger actually means something negative is ridiculous to begin with. But that's a whole nother story. This but is not. There's a real there's a real history there. I don't know if you know about this, but during yes, a battle, yeah, during a battle, we're yep. going to get way off topic here, but it's very interesting. <laughs> Uh, during a battle, I forget what battle it was, um, but the idea was you would you would cut off someone's middle finger so that they couldn't uh, pluck their bow. You know, they couldn't shoot arrows or mm -hmm. pluck you because the it was sheep string. It was made of you. And so the idea was they would wave their middle finger and taunt at the other army to say, like, you can't pluck you. And then it came from that. And it just... It evolved well, over you just broke down the entire history of the middle finger. Congratulations on that. That's a first in uh, Mets <laughs> podcast history. Guys, this is not the only mascot fail, by the way. Uh, there have been many, many others. Mr. Met might be the most recent one and the one that we're paying attention to. But the Philly fanatic has been sued a couple of times. Uh, he's obviously one of the more um, antagonizing mascots out there. But apparently he pushed a woman in a pool and she had a herniated disc. So he got sued. Um, there have been others in 1990 or 1989. Our producer sent me the University of Miami mascot gets detained by police because he tried to run away with a fire extinguisher. Why he did that, I don't know. <laughs> um, that's a cool mascot, by the way. That mascot 
has gotten yelled at by members of the team, by the coaching staff for running on the field and doing things with other players from other teams. Not such great stuff. Uh, the Vanderbilt mascot, I guess. These are all student colleges. Uh, I wonder why. Um, gets uh, into a crowd <laughs> surfing thing and then punches some guy in the face. So th there have been other ones. Mr. Met flipping off the bird, probably like the, the least violent of any of these uh, and certainly not committing much of a crime. So I give Mr. Met a little bit of a break. And yes, I still think he's cool. And yes, I still think it's one of the best mascots in baseball for sure. So Mr. Met, you're, you're OK by me. Just no more getting I, in trouble. I also I, I want to know what his brother, the, the Cincinnati Red, thinks about it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He does yeah. look just like those. Yeah, those guys glorious. are clearly related. He has a mustache, so you could tell a different people. But I wonder who came first. Do we know who came first between the Reds mascot or, the, or Mr. Matt? Because the Reds have been around obviously much longer. I just don't know if their mascot was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Mr. Matt. Uh, and the Braves guy that's also a complete ripoff. Uh, also is uh, after the fact. Well, the Braves Fair needed enough. to find a mascot that wasn't horrifically offensive to an entire ethnic group, you know. That's so true. That's it, true. It, it, you know, the, I'll give them a pass. They found Bartolo <laughs> Colon. Um, yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Which they, they also stole from the Mets, right? Which they also stole from the Mets. That's exactly right. All right, guys, we're going to pivot off of Mr. Met and move on to the actual team on the field. It hasn't been the prettiest. And yes, they did win as we record this on uh, Thursday the 8th. They won last night in Texas. Uh, but they didn't look so great doing it in the late innings. They blew another lead. Jerry Blevins this time giving up a couple runs. Uh, the day before, Jacob deGrom gets lit up. We've seen the pitching just be horrific throughout the course of the season. Um, the one saving grace has been Zach Wheeler. But anyway, with all that said, the Mets are currently, what is it, six or seven games below 500. They are closer, much, much closer to the bottom of the National League than they are the playoff race. They are going to get some guys back, it sounds like, soon. Uh, how soon, don't exactly know, but that Cespedes should be back here in the next few days. We pretty much know that uh, Steven Matz is coming back and that Seth Lugo is coming back. So maybe they take another run at this. Matt, we'll start with you on this one. How long does Sandy Alderson sit there and wait before determining whether he wants to become a seller or if he wants to at least stand pat, maybe not even be a buyer, but just stand pat and try to stay in the race? I, you know, I hate to be this way, but I really don't know. I can't get any kind of a sense from anything going on over there. Like, I think they're really genuinely okay just kind of waiting through because I don't know that the market is really what you'd kind of hope it would be for. I mean, I think Addison Reed, you, you clearly could move him because, you know, he's a relief pitcher with some closing experience, but like, and probably Blevins also because he's a lefty. But I mean, the rest of them pretty much like Duda, Granderson, Walker, like every team kind of, you know, these aren't great players. So like they're just going to be fill-ins and they're probably just going to bring back some kind of low level, you know, maybe someone with some upside or, or kind of a, a washed up, a little older minor leaguer. Like, I don't think you're going to get a ton for these guys. And so the Mets will have to make the decision. Like, do we just hang on to them and, you know, roll with it? Or, you know, in a case like Walker, who they may want to actually resign, and maybe even Bruce, like we talked about that in other podcasts where like it may come a, a time where like Bruce makes sense just because you've seen him now handle New York City and adjust. Like if these are guys they want to keep, it might make more sense just to hang on to them given uh, what they might get back in trade. So I, I don't really anticipate a ton of uh, action. And if we do it, I guess it's Reed and Blevins, but that's really it. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you that, and I was thinking about this, Jason and I, are, <clears throat> our producer, were talking about this this morning, that they just don't have a lot, as you just said, that kind of fits other teams' needs necessarily. Maybe somebody goes for a Jay Bruce later on if they're short on a power-hitting outfielder and they think they could slip him in, uh, a guy that could probably hit him you know, 10, 15 bombs down the stretch like he did for the Mets last year. Maybe a Lucas Duda if somebody has an injury at first base, but otherwise... You think about who needs a shortstop. If they were to trade as Drupal Cabrera, I don't know any team that's short on a shortstop that would be in the race right now or, or a first baseman like Lucas Duda. I, I don't necessarily see a fit like you just said. I, I, I do agree that maybe Blevins finds a home because there's always a need for a lefty specialist that can get guys out late in the game. And the same thing with Addison Reed. Steve, I, I don't know if you see it the same way. I, I just don't think there's a whole lot of value there in terms of the trade market. I think these guys are much more valuable to the Mets in terms of making a run. Okay, Blevins is not a free agent and he's making nothing. So there's no reason why they would trade him. I understand that like, so after this season, you know, you're looking at guys like, okay, Walker is going to be a free agent. I think the most obvious is going to be someone like Lucas Duda, who is a, who is coming up on free agency and the Mets have Dom Smith knocking down the door. So I love Duda, but I think he actually does make sense if the Mets do become sellers. But also, I mean, what have the Mets been doing if not trying to grasp at 500 while they're waiting for half of their team to come back from the DL? So I don't see I don't see them as sellers unless something very, very bad happens. Well, and where they are right now, I mean, again, you're closer to the bottom than you are to a playoff berth, but the the gap can be closed. I mean, I, I don't think that they're necessarily out of the wild card race. I definitely think that they are out of the National League East. And I know it's hard to say that in early June. I think the Nationals are just too good, and they've kind of run away with it a little bit. The separation is too great, uh, unless the Nats completely collapse down the stretch. So, you know, to chase a wild card, people would say, well, you know, why, why do that? Is it really worth holding on to your prospect or holding on to your player, excuse me, and trying to trying to make a run at this when you're only going to go for a wild card spot. In this case, I do think it is. And the reason is when they're healthy, if you have Cindergaard healthy at the end of the year, and if Familia is healthy at the end of the year and Cespedes is in the lineup and they have a chance to get into that game, I still think they could win the championship from the wild card spot uh, because they would be healthy at that point. So, you know, in some cases, I would say no. If you're a team that's kind of rebuilding, if, you, if you're the Minnesota Twins, let's say, and you make the playoffs or you're, you're trying to make a run at, at getting to the playoffs and then you decide not to trade off your pieces because you think you can get in the postseason this year, is it realistic that Minnesota is going to win the World Series if they get in the postseason as a, a wild card or even a division winner? I don't think it is. Uh, so I think they would be better off selling away the guys like Brian Dozier and those other pieces, whereas if you're the Mets... If you do somehow just find a way to get in this year, I still think you're capable of winning a World Series. Does that make sense, Matt, or am I, am I far off there? Yeah, it, it, well, absolutely. I mean, it's especially, and now look, we don't know where Syndergaard's at, but right, if he's back and, you know, you, sure, short series, all that kind of stuff, we, we've seen that before. So, yeah, 100%, I would, I would press. But, and, and you're right, the National League is. You know, I mean, it, it depends. Like, do you believe in the Rockies? Do you believe in the Diamondbacks? You know, are the, the Cubs a better team than they're showing? You know, there's a, are the Mets a better team than they're showing? So, I mean, there's a lot of it, – it can be wide open if it shakes the right way. Uh, I would be reluctant to just sell everyone. And, again, like I said, even if you wanted to, I don't think you're going to get back what you're right. kind of hoping for. So, at that point, well, you may as well just roll the dice. What's the and, point? 
I mean, also, who who really is in front of them? Like, let's look at this for a second. Two of the division leaders are teams that no one expected anything from, the Brewers and the Rockies. They're, you know, I, I believe both of those teams are currently outkicking their coverage. And then you've got, in the wildcard spot, you've also got Arizona, which is a team that I think is outplaying what they're supposed to be. Are the Cubs better than their record? I believe so. Um, but then you've got the Reds and the Cardinals that you're not really afraid of. So the fact is, a decent run could put them there. Am I saying I think it's going to happen? No. Am I saying it's an absolute possibility with who's coming back? Yes. So I I think that they're in a really rough situation because usually by the deadline, you've got 30 teams and 28 of them will know if they're buyers or sellers. And I think the Mets are going to be one of those in the middle that it's 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 hard to it's hard to know. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to to Zach Wheeler, because I think we do uh, oh, wait, owe wait, him wait. a couple of minutes on the show. Yeah. Go wait, ahead. Before we, before we do, uh, the Reds mascot appeared in graphics first in 1956. However, it was not an actual person in the mascot uniform until the late 60s. So ah. depending on how you look at it, the, the Mets may have been first or the Reds may have been first. Either way, I think it's great that those two brothers have work. Good research, my friend. Wow, you were <laughs> all you. over the History Channel stuff today. That's fantastic. <laughs> hey, Matt, Matt before, we, before we do go to Zach Wheeler, uh, since you said Addison Reed and Blevins would be the two guys you think they could move, assuming they did want to, what type of player do you think they get back? Is it a prospect only, or are we talking about a big leaguer in return? And I think it's going to be a prospect. Uh, and if it is a prospect, what level of prospect do you think they could get for either one? Well, no, yes, it's it's going to be a, a prospect because the, these teams that are in need, well, first of all, the Mets need pitching. So if a team is trying to acquire pitching, they're not giving up big league pitching. Um, so it's probably going to be a prospect of some sort. And, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily what the Mets are looking for at the moment. Like they, you know, think about Blevins, like what the, what the value he has is that he has a $7 million club option, so, which obviously you'd pick up. So like, you know, he, he can be in the mix next year. To, to move him, they're just going to have to be back in the market looking for another left-handed reliever like they were this past winter because I assume they think they're going to contend next year. they got all this money coming off their payroll. There's some guys they may keep, may not, but, like, they're not going to just – they're not starting another rebuilding process here. So you're going to want a guy like Blevins. And Addison Reed, you know, he's the one I think that probably has the most value because a team that – you know, maybe their closer got hurt or they're looking for that next, you know, that eighth inning guy. And so he's going to have, you know, tremendous, I think he'll have value. I think you can get uh, some significant prospect back for him, but you're not going to get some huge, you know, killing. You're not going to, this right. isn't going to rebuild your franchise trading. This isn't uh chat, you know, a couple of right, Exactly. Ago. Yeah. Just one last closing thought on this. I've had several people on Twitter, especially the last couple of days, start talking to me about the Mets' potential to rebuild quickly if they were to become sellers and be like the Yankees, since you just mentioned Chapman. There is no way that that's happening. They do not have the type Zero. of pieces that the Yankees move. They don't have Andrew Miller, and they don't have Chapman. Those are the two main pieces that brought back those what was it, five or six great prospects, uh, the Glaber Torres is the world and such. So they don't have that. So it's not going to happen. It's not going to be the same type of process, not going to same, be the same type of return. So uh, just get that out of your mind, Mets fans. It's not happening in that way. All right, let's move on to Zach Wheeler. Fantastic yesterday, coming back off of missing two consecutive years, and he has been wonderful. Uh, as good as I think you could have expected, 11 starts, ERA of under three and a half, 
He's allowed less than a hit an inning. The walks have been a little bit of an issue, a 26 so far in 62 and two-thirds, striking out just under a batter an inning. But overall, the performance that we've seen, Steve, from him, I think it's been tremendous. And again, everything I think you could have hoped for and more, right? I, it's crazy to me that we're looking at a guy with a mid-three ERA and we're like, that's the best guy on the team. But when everybody else is up in the sixes and sevens, you take what you can get. And I mean, until two starts ago, which, and I apologize because I said on the last podcast, like, oh, DeGrom could have a really great run. And then, ew. (laughs) Um, And and then he's crying in Texas in the dugout. So Yeah. So it's, you know, at this point, you just look at it and you go, I feel like, I feel like Zach Wheeler's season is, it's like last call at a bar. Where like you look at someone who's not as attractive as you wanted them to be at the beginning of the night, but then by last call you're like, yeah, this is the one, and that's hmm. uh that's what we have right now. Um, he's <laughs> doing right. he's look he's doing he's doing fine, and I especially coming off of missing two years, he's doing fine. But we were supposed to have four Cy Young candidates this year, so. Well, yeah, yeah I, I, I wouldn't. I I don't feel like the injuries to. Uh, the other guys or just their adjustment in case of Matt Harvey, like I don't think that should reflect or, or, or have, you know, have any bearings on the type of season Zach Wheeler's having coming off of, you know, two years of not pitching. Like I think yeah, given, you don't, you don't think it'd be what it is, but it do. Oh no, I, I hear you. Like if we're talking about the Mets rotation, then yes, if we're talking about just Zach Wheeler. I, I would say he's having an exceptional season for where he is in his recovery. Cause it's his first year back. And like, this is, he looks like the pitcher he was. And in fact, Maggie Wigan on Metsblog wrote uh, an, an article just like this. Basically, you know, you, some t- statistical, you know, evidence. It's basically say he's essentially the same pitcher that he was before the surgery, which is great. The problem is he's lost two years. Uh, and I think he's showing, which to me is what I'm most impressed is less his arm. I like that he's showing the ability to make adjustments on the mound. He's, he's kind of picking up where he left off. He's not just trying to. You know, it's not all mechanics and arm angles and talking about how he feels like he's out there competing and he's commanding his, his innings and he's doing a really nice job. I think, you know, his most recent start in particular of making adjustments and doing what he's got to do. And so, like, when he starts to get a better feel for his body and, and, and sort of where his arm is at, I think he's going to be actually in really good shape. And I, I like where he's at. Uh, the problem is that for the Mets, who we were talking about, well, are they going to contend in the second half? He could be gone by August because he's going to probably reach his innings limits because they've had no choice but to throw him out there every five days for the first three months of the season. I think they were hoping they'd be able to, you know, back him off a little bit and keep him around through the whole season. But at the rate they're going, he's going to be done, you know, by probably early August. I'm on the Adam Rubin plan. And the Adam Rubin plan is that you maximize what you have when you have it. You don't wait. You don't sit on these pitchers with innings limits. You don't uh, You don't worry about it. You throw the guys when you have them because if they're going to break, they're going to break. And eventually they're going to be gone. Uh, it just is what it is. I, I, now, I understand limiting Zach Wheeler to a degree just because of the missed years, but I, I just I don't want to hold these guys back. If Zach Wheeler's throwing the ball well and he gets to 200 innings this year, then so be it, uh, especially yeah. if they're in contention. Now, if they're out of it, you better have sat sure, him down. Sure, sure. But, but otherwise, well, and yeah. Wheeler, and you've met Wheeler. Like, he's – look, at I, I like him as a pitcher. He can be a – he's a little rough. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And right. he's not the most personable. And although he is, he is seemingly a lot more upbeat than he had been, uh, you know, prior to the surgery. But he uh, – 
He's a he's a bulldog. He wants the ball. He wants to get out there. He wants to compete. Like he's pretty tough. He's taking some hits, and like it's going to be hard. I think to pry that ball out of his hands if he's throwing well and he's 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 going along and he's still in that sort of low to mid three ZRA and he, he's feeling good. That's going to be a tough, tough, tough maneuver for the Mets. I think more so than it was for Harvey or anybody else. Yeah, Do you think absolutely. that the Mets not having Lugo is you know a great argument against the World Baseball Classic? Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, I've thought about this a lot because I covered that event this year and I loved it. I I thought it was awesome. I think we talked about this on one of our first episodes. It was really, really fun to cover. And I think it's great for the fans. And it's cool that they do it once every four years. It's not every year. It's sort of like the Olympics of baseball. At the same time, it's it's not just Lugo. It's it's uh, Drew Smiley in Seattle and King Felix and how many other guys that participated in that event that had arm trouble this year. And I I think it's hard to argue against the idea that because they ramped it up so early and they were throwing not just innings, but, but throwing as hard as they were early on that, yeah, it probably did have some effect on them. Uh, And and so I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what baseball is going to do. I know the world baseball classic isn't going away. They had their largest attendance figures, their best TV ratings that they've ever had with that event. It is 100% going to come back. The question is, can they tailor it somehow so that this doesn't happen? I mean, do you do it in the middle of the season, maybe during the All-Star break, and you make it a two-week All-Star break, like the Olympics uh, used to be for hockey, where they would take a two-week uh, hiatus, basically? I don't know. I don't know what will happen. But yeah, yeah, Steve, I'm with you. That It definitely could have had an effect, 100%. All right. That should wrap it up. Uh, Steve, where are you going to be? What, what's going on with the comedy thing this week? Uh, I'm going up to Seattle, Portland, and Canada, and then over to Europe. But most importantly, uh, just about to announce, so I'll announce it here first. Uh, September 8th is when I am filming my new stand-up special at the Laugh Factory in L.A. Uh, two oh, shows cool. in case one of the audience sucks. So uh, <laughs> come watch. I will. I will, because I'm in the L.A. area. Matt, uh, what's going on with you? Any any cool podcast stuff this week? Anything else? Uh, no, not particularly. Just continuing to plug the book, uh, my Mets Bucket List book, which is MatthewStrone.com slash Mets book. I uh, just keep kind of pushing that. And it's a good Father's Day gift, if anybody's thinking ahead. And, um, yeah, just chugging along on Mets blog and hopefully writing about uh, this miraculous second-half turnaround that I think we're all <laughs> waiting to see take shape. You never know. Always got to believe. Uh, Folks, as always, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the SNY.TV Mets podcast feed. You can find the channel by searching SNY Mets in the iPhone podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. For Matt Cerrone and Steve Hofstetter, for Jay and the rest of the guys back in the SNY studios, I'm Rob Brenner. We'll see you next week. Mm